0: God, I am so blessed to be the one standing here uh, with my brothers and sisters uh, as image bearers of you, Lord. Yet we, even as image bearers, we don't fully understand the depth and meaning of, of what you intend for us as image bearers, Lord. Help us to better peek behind that veil, to better understand the picture that you are Um, creating with scripture for what it means to be your image bearer, Lord, and that we might progress to be a more righteous and a more clearer image of you, Lord, until the day in which we are a a perfect, um, as perfect a representation of an image as we will have in communion with you, Lord. May this service be a day that honors you. May the membership class be a time uh, where uh, theology is deepened, understanding of you is deepened, Lord, but also that They may decide whether or not we are the church to throw their lot in with, Lord. And I pray for uh, the children in Sunday school, uh, children's Sunday school. May the gospel be told to them and may their hearts reach out to you from the effect of the Holy Spirit, Lord. In your son's name I pray. Amen. So if you're following along with the book at all, Paul Tripp's uh, book, Do You Believe, you'll notice uh, we've kind of done a couple of times, a couple of jumps. And that's because we had. A few, um, in a row, a few uh, somewhat overlapping topics to a certain extent. They are distinct, and I think the way the book lays them out is great. But the beauty of the the dialogical portion of Sunday School is that Sunday School oftentimes can go into areas where the congregation um, takes it. And so with that, we ended up having a lot of coverage on the doctrine of creation applied. And that's what we talked about, um, if you remember, in our last time um, we were talking about uh, the doctrine of creation. I believe the last two Sunday schools have been between Jeff Oliver and my dad closing up Mark, um, and so it's been a little bit of a, of a time break. But we had the the doctrine of omnipotence, then we had the doctrine of creation. We are now on the doctrine of uh, man being made in the image of God. Uh, so I'm I'm looking forward to going through this. This is something that's referred to a lot and has significant consequence to us, and we're going to cover five different. Um, kind of words, um, as Tripp puts it, to to help fill in a picture of what it means to be image bearers of God, uh, Adam and Eve, when they were created, were created uh, without sin, without blemish uh, they, were, they had knowledge, righteousness, and true holiness after god 's own image. They had the law of God written in their hearts and were created with the power to fulfill it, but also with the possibility of transgressing. transgressing. They were happy when in, com- in obedience with the law and in communion with their image sake, but uh, the transgression uh, tainted that and twisted that. So for us, our goal today is to see what our image bearing should look like, and hopefully by the end we see where the tainting happens in our lives, where the tainting is happening in the world with other um, non-believers and where how we might be able to apply it, and then, uh, Lord willing, next week we'll get into um, the doctrine of the image of God in man applied. So the role of image bearer is unique. It's unique. We are we are not like any other part of creation. We are are the pinnacle of God's creation on earth. We are given in special authority, and nothing else is described as being the image bearer of God other than us as as mankind, um, specifically. Adam, and, and we'll read here in a second, whoever has the mic um, and um, Genesis 5-3, we'll see how God has, uh, after God made man in his own image, um, we'll see Adam, the, this language is used, this image-bearing language is used to refer from Adam handing it down to Seth, Seth being made in the image of Adam and continuing this passing on of the image-bearing of God to all of us today. Uh, whoever has the mic, if you wouldn't re- mind reading Genesis 5.3. Oh, yeah. Because we're not to bullet point one. My mistake. So whoever has the mic next, if you wouldn't mind turning to Acts 17.26, and it looks like then Glenda, if you wouldn't mind turning to 1 Corinthians 11.7. Uh, you were 17, Acts 17. Yeah, Genesis 5, 5. Genesis 5 3. 3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you.
1: When Adam had lived 130 years,
0: he fathered his son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. Thank you. And then Acts 17, 26 to 28. And then Glenda will have 1 Corinthians eleven seven.
2: 26 to 28. Yes. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place that they should seek god and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him yet he actually yet he is actually not far from each one for in him we live and move and have our being as even some of our own po- poets have said for we are indeed his offspring
0: Thank you. And then, Glenda, if you'd read 1 Corinthians eleven seven,
2: For a man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man.
0: Okay, thank you. So we know that, we see in Scripture, we know that we are the image of God. How, how that is defined, um, I think the way Tripp puts it in his book is that um, we, we aren't given here's the definition of being made in the image of God, but we can piece together uh, what God wants us to know of the image-bearing of God from Scripture, and we can paint that through these words, this, that picture. So we're going to start off with relationship. So God, being an image-bearer of God, is to be relational. God is the ultimate relational being. The Trinity is the ultimate relationship. It is the ultimate community. It is three in one, and um, we are designed— to be a reflection of that. So just as God has the Trinity, we are naturally made and wired to have a relational being to each other, to other believers, to other humans, um, and a relationship to God. And it is made to be designed after God. It is an image. It is a reflection of God's own relationship um, with himself. Obviously, God is not dependent on anyone. It is not God's need of a relationship with us. We are the ones blessed by the relationship with God, but it is the model of God's relationship with himself in the three persons of the Trinity that we are reflecting in the relationships we see in our daily lives. And we'll see some language that refers to that here as we go through these passages, but I would encourage you as we go through this the rest of the way is to think outside of this room, okay? So perhaps I'll throw out maybe the hardest ones to think about as image bearers of God, those who voted for everything you stand against, right? Those who complete vote against you, those who cut you off on traffic on the way here, your boss who doesn't understand what you did but give you a bad review, your whatever, you name it, the person who you're most frustrated with right now, whoever that might be. Think of them, the image bearer of God. Let's, let's think about that as we go through. Even if they are distorting and tainting the image that God gave us, um, let's keep in mind that uh, the relationship doesn't just belong in this building, just in these walls. With that in mind, um, let's look at what Christ, uh, in, in talking to the Father and praying, let's see what he says in John 17, 20 through 26.
3: that you have sent me. I may know to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them.
0: You can see Christ here is pouring out unity speech. There's lots of unity language here, and obviously it's not just kumbaya, all unity, brothers and sisters. It is We are brothers and sisters to our Father, right, in relationship to our Father. It's all in relationship to Christ and to God. But the idea of relationship and the unity of Christ and his Father, right, it's all communicated expressly there and then further expounded to it should be extending to us. So to be an image bearer of God is to be very relational. We'll look at a couple more verses here, Matthew 22, uh, 36. Oh, I have a prompt before we read this. It shouted out, "Anyone who wants to answer it, what are the two greatest commandments?" What was that? You got it. Did you have a different answer? She said, "Love God and love one another." Wayne approves. Love it. Wonderful. Whoever has the mic, read um, read our Matthew passage twenty two thirty six through forty.
1: Teacher,
3: which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself.
0: Wonderful. Thank you. So you see here the, the first great commandment, the Shema, hear, O Israel, and obey, right? Telling... Everyone to love the Lord their God with their heart, soul, and mind. Um, and then we see, though, also what follows right after that. Love your neighbor as yourself. So the image bearer, being an image bearer of Christ is absolutely relational. The, the focus of those two commandments are both relationships, right? It's a relationship with God, the pinnacle of our lives, on earth and in heaven is our relationship with our Savior. It's the personal relationship, the personal nature. It's unlike any other God that anyone has ever tried to create, um, the personal relationship we have with Christ. So to be an image bearer is to be relational. Um, let's see here. I think I wrote... I wrote. Uh, yes, so um, uh, we also see this in, and I will say, Tripp's book doesn't go into this, but I think it's worth mentioning, is that we also see this relationship and this being an image bearer, we see it in God's design for sex. We see it when, in the way God has designed sex in the unity of flesh for sex, God's true natural design when untainted, is a reflection of the unity of God. It is that relational, it is two becoming one, right? So let's look at a, uh, we're going to look at two familiar verses, um, likely read at your wedding and other weddings. Um, let's look at Genesis 2, 24, and then we're going to go into Mark 10:6 through 9.
4: Genesis 2:24 Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh.
3: Mark 10:6 through 9 But from the beginning of creation God made them female, male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man
0: separate. Amen. So you see here God's design for marriage, right? We see this design for marriage, and within that, sex is is an example. If you read the Song of Solomon, you see the beauty of that relationship and the relating to each other and the unity. But then... Um, this, this unity that's described in these passages, these marriages, we all know that Christ later goes on to describe the bride, church as his bride, right? That relationship and relational aspect of being an image-bearer. All right. Being an image-bearer beyond the relational aspect means there comes with morality. There is a sense of morality. There is law written on our hearts. That's the phrase we, we use a lot, right? Reiterating Scripture, and we'll read Romans 2 in a moment. But uh, with it comes natural morality, whether you're a believer or not, you, being made in the image of God, reflect the knowledge of morality uh, all the time. It happens all the time. Even those who are most opposed to everything that we believe in, even those who are completely against everything that Christ taught, uh, antithetical to the gospel, expose themselves as having being an image-bearer, a tainted image-bearer of Christ and of God through their works and through, th- through an understanding of morality. So Adam and Eve were made without sin, without blemish, uh, as those made in the image of God. We too have, are, to, are to have no sin; we are expected to. The law of God, then, being written on our hearts, testifies to the image we bear. So let's look at Romans, uh, our Romans two twelve through sixteen passage. Oh, I think that microphone might be off. I'm going to blame Gary. Is it just out of range?
4: For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when
0: Amen. So we're, we're all born, regardless of, of status of election, with God's law written on our hearts. It was given to Adam and Eve. The law was given there. It was, it was defiled. right? It was transgressed against in the taking of the fruit. And there are consequences since, but all, all of us have God's law written on our hearts. There is a sense of morality. So even saying anything is right or wrong means there is morality. Uh, if we're all particles and just randomly assembled, there is no right and wrong. There is no, there's no purpose for anything. And so if there is right and if there is wrong, and if you've ever said that's not right, you are expressing or you are hinting at the fact, whether you're correct in that statement or not, that you are an image bearer of God, that there is a law written on your heart, and that there is a morality, just as God has a morality. He is holiness. So without God, there is no morality. Um, as discussed there. Uh, let's look at an example of, of morality here in Ecclesiastes 7.29, and our, it'll show our capability to be moral and yet our choice to not be. Ecclesiastes 7.29. See, this alone
5: I found, that God made man upright, but they have sought out many schemes.
0: God made man upright, we have sought out many schemes. Um so God, without God, we have no ability to, to be moral. In fact, we need Christ, who was the only one to be fully moral on earth, to be fully righteous, and his morality is what ends up taking the weight of our sin. Um, but still, even a, an understanding of morality or knowing that there is right or wrong is exposing yourself as being an image bearer of God. So The next time you're talking to someone who votes completely the wrong way or someone who um, uh, is an atheist and is stating, well, your beliefs, you doing this, the Christian church, this, blah, 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 is wrong. You know what? At least there's a hint in there of, well, the fact that you think there is such a thing as right and wrong speaks to the greatness of our God and that even through general grace that he is working and putting a morality on our hearts that we might think there's a right and wrong. Now, That seeking of what right and wrong is and where we go for right and wrong, all of that, we get a sense of the spirituality. So that's our third point here. God created us as image bearers, as spiritual beings, as those seeking God. We have God, uh, so Paul Tripp puts it as uh, toward God, uh, god Godwardness tendencies, um, uh, basically being that we are in search of God. Every person is in search, is in search. Now, what we choose to worship, right, by the grace of God, those of us today are here to worship God. We are to, to bow, bend our knee and to, to worship the Lord our God, our maker. But those who, who do not, even, even the atheist, it's, I mean, atheism, still a belief there is a search for something to worship. So we either choose to worship God or we choose to worship the things that God has made. Uh, let's look at... Um, Uh, Oh, before I I switch to that, I want to read a quote out of the book um, from Tripp. Every human being is looking for God, though most don't know it. Detached from God, our spirituality drives us into various forms of functional insanity. We keep hoping creation will do what it simply has no capacity to do for us, and this will offer what God alone can. But that seeking, that like, that, That pull, that desire, that spirituality that we see come out in various ways, um, various manifestations, um, flawed or correct, is is an example of what God has made us, how God has made us in his image. Um, God has given us emotions so we can experience the joy of loving God and being loved by him. God gave us emotions so we can uh, hate what God hates. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 5.
4: For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has promised us for this very thing, has. now he who has prepared for us this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee.
0: Amen. We have been designed to have emotion, to worship God, to desire God. We have, we have been designed with that. And, you know, a lot of these start to piece together. You, you are designed to seek God, to, to, we are spiritual beings. We are designed for worship. And with that, at the same time, we have morality and there's relationship. So even through these things, you can start to see where the thing that connects them all is the gospel. It's Christ, right? It's the gospel. It's the ultimate relationship, ultimate morality, ultimate spirituality, right? All of this coming together. If we are spiritual beings in search for God and are, uh, because of the image we bear and then the morality, we know there's right and wrong. How do we combine the search for God with right and wrong? The only answer is relationship with God. And the natural outcropping is the relationship with each other. All right, let's look at representation. So we've covered this a bit with the doctrine of creation, and we've definitely covered this some in in the doctrine of omnipotence in terms of God making us to rule. There is a level of authority that we as humans have on this earth God uh, intended for Adam and Eve to uh, tend to the garden, but not just tend to it, to expand it. And to, God gave Adam responsibilities from naming animals to um, ruling over them. Um, even, even in the flood and the ark account, God, God preserving his creation, um, preserving the animals on the ark. Even in that, Noah was the steward of that and the responsible party in charge of those, given specific instructions on how to manage that. But that authority is not our authority. It is God's authority. We are, as image bearers of God, we are a representation of God. So I immediately think of, uh, I think the ambassador example has been used a lot in church illustrations, and I think it holds true in that we, by, if we are ambassadors on this earth, it is not our authority. As an ambassador, we are just a dude. But the authority that's been given to us, the authority that we're speaking with, is that which is the authority given to us by someone greater than us. It is God. Same way coins, right? Money has president's heads on it, or it states a nation. It states an authority-giving thing. Money is valuable because we value it, because of what it stands for, what's actually behind the money, not because of the paper itself. It's the authority imbued on it. But what is it? It's an image bearer of, of authority. So we, as being made in God's image, were made to rule. Let's look at Genesis 1, 26.
1: Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock and all the earth, and over every creeping, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth.
0: So we see there, let's, let us make God in our own image. And what follows immediately after, talking about the authority that they are to have on earth, that those just made in the image of God. So we see the, the connection between the image of God and, um, and authority represented, representing ultimately God's authority over all, over all creation, over Adam and Eve in creation. Uh, let's look at Psalm 8. We're going to read the entire psalm. Uh, We're tracking all right on time, so we're going to read the entire psalm, Um, whoever has the mic, Psalm 8, 1 through 9, and think about this in relation to our authority on earth and the authority given there, but also God's authority and the relationship there, and thinking about us then, what it means for us to be an image bearer today, in authority over the spheres that God has given us immediate authority, whether that's employees or whether that's your children, or maybe there's a marriage, or maybe it's just your own behavior, the things that that God has given you authority. Think about those. And then think about the general responsibility of the things of which we have authority to, even if we don't have um, explicit authority over a particular thing. Um, So think about that. Dwell on that as uh, whoever has the mic, uh, our sister leader, as she reads Psalm 8, 1 through 9.
4: O Lord, our Lord, how how majestic is your name in all of the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens you have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth.
0: Amen. Uh, look, at, look at the structure of the psalm. It, it, it is a very traditional or familiar structure of psalm but look at how it starts it starts oh lord our god oh yahweh our lord how majestic is your name in all the earth you have set your glory above the heavens so you start there and then it gets into the mouth of babies and then you start working through creation and all the levels of creation and how our level of authority but where does it start with how majestic is your name above the heavens where do we end O Yahweh, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. There is a clear framing of the authority of God and the authority of man. And yet, they're both in this picture. God has given us, as image bearers, a responsibility over what God has created. There is a stewardship that comes with being made in the image of God. There's a responsibility there. And it relates back to our our image bearing of, of God. Let's look... We got to turn. Uh, we've talked about responsibility, but let's look at some consequences and significance of being image bearers of God in, in the form of damage. So, what is the the consequence of the damage that can be done um, to other image bearers, or the damage we've done to our own image, our own reflection of God and and who He is? Um, so, even um, everyone has been made to be an image bearer of God, but it can be so tainted and twisted that perhaps it's unrecognizable. But we've already talked about the morality, different, these different components are things that that they still shine through even when we try our hardest to look the least like the image of God. God still allows us to, to reflect his image in some way, even if it's distorted. Let's look at Romans. 18 through 23 and don't worry we'll come back and we'll finish off the second half of that that'll be helpful for us but Romans 8 18 through 23 for I consider that the
3: sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us for the creation waits with eager longing for the, the revealing of the sons of God for the creation was subjected to futility not willingly but because of him who subjected it in hope that creation itself would be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now, and not only the creation, but our we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the spirit, groan inwardly as we as we wait eagerly eagerly for the for adoption as sons,
0: the redemption of our bodies. So we see, I think this kind of speaks as well back to that um, spirituality component. You see the threads through it there, this, this groaning, this yearning for things to be made right as they were designed to be. And um, unfortunately, uh, it is um, <laughs> we are subjected to futility. Uh, we, are, we have a bondage to corruption. All, all of this is met with groaning. So these, these things are things we brought about ourselves with our sin, not only from Adam's sin, but when we reaffirm the sin that Adam did every time we sin, we reaffirm that sin from Adam, we also are continuing to distort the image or muddy up that image that God designed us to be. And with that, um, we, we hope for something more. We'll get to the hope in, in a moment here. Um, what we do with this, this image distortion isn't just the harm we do to our own image. It is the harm we do to others made in God's image. So let's look at Genesis 9, 6, and then James 3, 9. All right, PJ, if I can add verse yeah. 7 to verse 6 with Genesis 9, 6. Uh, yeah, go for it.
5: Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. And you be fruitful and multiply, team on the earth and multiply in it. So here we not only see the damage, which would be injustice, we see the justice that results from the injustice, and then the reassertion of what Adam was to do in the garden before sin,
0: be fruitful and multiply. Multiple. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Thank you. Uh, let's look at James
4: 3.9. With it we bless our Lord and Father... And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God.
0: What's what's James talking about here? The tongue, the tongue, right? So with it, we bless; with it, we curse those made in the image of God, right? Uh, it's it's politics season, right? It's I can't escape the billboards, the commercials. I was really hoping it all ended on the day of the election. Nope, turns out they paid through the end of the month, um, and it's just there. It's looming, and it is going. It's very hard for many believers to not speak harmful things to those made in the image of God, those cursing others made in the image of God. So um, we see the damage that even though we are image bearers, we are doing damage when we do damage to others. When we sin against others, we're causing damage to other image bearers of God. We see this. Uh, we see this frequently. Maybe with your children, you, it's pretty easy to see. They go straight for low-hanging fruit attacks, um, or or even ourselves. Probably at our most twisted, we know as maybe spouses, the exact thing to not to just passively, passive-aggressively put put something in that just is harmful. And you know, you are cursing someone made in the image of God. You are causing harm, and this is. Um, uh, this, if you think back and reflect back to the relationship side, God has designed us for a relationship. And with that relationship, we not, instead of reflecting, instead of that amplifying at times, um, instead of us amplifying the, the design of God and that image bearing and reflecting God more because of the relationship, because of our fellowship. Instead, at times, we do the opposite. We amplify our sin, because not only is our sin against our God, and it is against our God first and foremost, but it is also against those made in the image of God. And I think from this, this is where when we think of Psalm 51, and against you and you alone have I sinned, it's because we are sinning against the image that God created. So when we are sinning against our brothers and sisters, we are sinning against God and his image. So let's let's uh, we we went from all these things to into the uh, depths of of probably some self awareness I think uh, for a lot of us I know for me uh, there's a lot there but let's talk about the hope let's talk about the hope and the the beauty of Christ and the Holy Spirit to restore this image it doesn't matter how much we mar it God can restore this image and will. Um, it's progressively getting clearer as we sanctify over time, as we more resemble Christ, right? We become more Christ-like the more we represent his image, um, but we will we'll see here in these next uh, three verses. Sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, more Bible verses. should be an applaud-worthy thing. Yeah, an thing. Um, but so I'll give a second to whoever has the mic to... To Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I'll give a, a second to um, whoever has the mic to turn to, to Romans 8, 24 through 30. You'll notice this is the continuation of uh, what I think it was. Yeah, our brother Dennis read, um, we have creation, it is groaning out for reconciliation. Even those who, over whom we have authority, even nature is screaming out for it because even though the, the, the animal in the street that it gets hit by a car, did not eat of the fruit. It is responsible, or it, or it takes on the punishment for all, what we were responsible for. What we had federal headship over ended up getting passed down to all of creation, even the mountains grown out for this. So how do we reconcile this? How do we reconcile the image? Let's continue reading um, that, that pericope there, uh, Romans eight twenty-four through 30. Okay. Verse
5: 24?
0: Verse 24, yep.
5: For this, oh, in... For, in this hope, we were saved; now, hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it in patience, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too um, too deep for words, and he who searches hearts knows what is in <clears throat> what is mind of the spirit. Amen.
0: Um, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. We know we are going to be conformed to the image of his son because of the Holy Spirit interceding for us. It is not us trying to untwist the muck. It is not us being so holy that we undo the tainting of our image. It is is the Holy Spirit um, who does it. Let's look at these last two verses, and uh, we've officially lapped the church uh, Sunday school for scripture reading. Um, I'll take that as a win. Second uh, Corinthians three eighteen. Except
2: I'm not there, right? Three eighteen. And we, and we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree to another. Uh, excuse me, to one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit.
0: I love the definitiveness of that. We are being transformed. It might be, if you ask my wife, the degrees changes are very small and very slow, but they are changing. It is a fact. It is happening, and we know we will have ultimate transformation from the Holy Spirit because of the work of Christ at the time of our death when we get to be in unity with Christ. So we know we're, we're, we're progressing, but that doesn't mean we wait till death. It means today, whatever little bit we move forward, we can. And so the first step is you point out the muck on the image, right? You point out the thing distorting the image, which is the law. It is pointing it out. And then we point to what the image should be, which is to be like Christ, which is the gospel. The good news, right? It's a point to Christ. Let's look at Ephesians 4:17 through 32. And then... We might have time for one comment and then prayer.
1: Now this I say to you and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greed, to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving
0: one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Amen. What do we see here? We We talk about the taint from humanity. We progress into putting on, we are to take off our old self and put on our new self, which is to be like Christ. In verse 21, it says, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. You being here today, being taught the gospel is the first step in putting on this new form in the new form of Christ. But what does it look like as we get to it? It's saying things that build up. No corrupting talk. Is everything that we say today going to be something that builds up others is it advancing god's kingdom or is it reflecting um, on on the tainting of god's kingdom and then beyond that it goes on verse 32 be kind to one another tender-hearted forgiving one another as god and christ forgave you again going back to the original image for whom we bear christ and to be like christ to represent that image is to forgive one another it is to be kind to one another Being an image bearer of God has a lot of responsibility to it, but it is the greatest blessing we could ask for. We don't deserve it, but we were given it. We ruined it, and yet God uh, is going to reconcile us to him and clean this up. Praise the Lord for that. All right, we have time. We do not have time. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, uh, I'm going to pray for us, and then we will use all of these aspects to worship the original designer the original one for whom we are imaged we get to worship today god let's take our full spirituality our relationship to each other and may it all be a sweet incense to god's nose a sweet sound to his ears let's pray god we thank you for this time together lord we are we are just blessed absolutely blessed because the aspects of being an image bearer are not just a duty lord but they are a joy you do not tell us to worship alone, on our knees, in closets, away from the world. No, you tell us to come together, to be your bride, to be a church, Lord. And the peak of it, at the peak of what we get to experience on earth, is a representation of what will be that eternal Sabbath, that relationship together with our brothers and sisters, worshiping you, Lord. I pray that the spirituality with which you designed us will come through in our singing, that it will be with a zeal and gusto, that it will be something that is beautiful to you, but also singing in beauty to our brothers and sisters in this uh, relationship you've designed us for, Lord. Help us to become more moral, more virtuous, more like Christ, who walked with no sin, Lord. Help us, We cannot do it ourselves, but please allow your Holy Spirit to transform us by degree by degree. In your Son's name we pray. Amen.